I am so glad that you are joining Cindy LeFevre Yorks for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. We pray these encouraging words will enrich and bless your day. Demolishing Your Pride of Life During the strict quarantine period, some individuals found it was easier to accomplish greater amounts of work, lose weight, or devote themselves to more intense workouts. Why? Fewer distractions from the trappings of the world represented an unprecedented opportunity to repurpose the time due to the newly mandated isolation from the world. Not all exiles are mandated, however. Monks, nuns, or other sequestered devout groups of individuals deliberately set themselves apart. This may look unappealing to even the most devout Christian, but there is a purpose behind the self-imposed exile. These unique individuals, called to prayer and following specific leadings from God for their lives, voluntarily remove themselves from the trappings of the world to concentrate on a specific plan God shows them for their lives. However, the reality is that few people are called to such a deprivational life, and the majority of us would have a hard time making those kinds of sacrifices when the rubber actually meets the road. Most of us are instead positioned to impact our spheres of influence wherever God has planted us. But if we carefully examine the reasons for such a sequestering, it's easy to see the motivation behind it. John wrote about what lures our flesh in 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but from the world. Simply said, if we have only one phone line and it rings, we know exactly what call to take, but if we are sweet... Simply said, if we only have one phone line and it rings, we know exactly what call to take. But if we are seated at a switchboard with 50 lines, the options may distract and muddle our judgment and choices. Throughout the years, I have studied this verse, and I have been confused about what the pride of life really meant. I thought it simply had to do with the sin of pride that can take root in our lives as it relates to self-assessment. And while that is certainly part of it, the pride of life encompasses so much more. John W. Rittenbaugh described the pride of life and worldliness as a love of beauty without a corresponding love of righteousness. Appearance, indeed, fits into this category of pride of life. Some of the visually beautiful things and people in our world are equivalent to fool's gold, especially in comparison with the real gold to be mined when it comes to character and non-surface aspects of life that are more than skin deep. Pride of life also refers to an overweighting of accomplishments, whether they are ours, our spouses, our children, our employers, and perhaps even our churches. To be sure, God bestows favor and prospers His children as He sees fit, but if we fail to recognize the giver of good gifts and make idols of the achievers, we fail to worship the divine enabler. The trajectory of Lucifer and his descent in becoming Satan is indeed a cautionary tale for all of us. All the good gifts he possessed came from God, yet his pride of life resulted in rejecting his dependence on God. We face that same danger when we fail to acknowledge God's role in creating and helping us become. In James 1.17, we read that he is the giver of all good gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. The passage states, The good gifts of provision, promotion, accolades, and the other blessings with which we are born are all straight from the Father 
and not simply the result of our own hard work, luck, or karma, regardless of what society would have us believe. Whether we overweight our own appearance or accomplishments or these things that we love, we position ourselves for idol worship. We, or our successes or those of others, become our own idols. We would do well instead to thank God for all He's given us, make sure that we achieve everything that He has in His plan for us, and that our lives reflect that and give glory to God for everything we accomplish. Because after all, apart from Him, we can do nothing, as we read in John fifteen four to 5 When we fully rely on God, any potential pride of life grows dim, and seeking His face becomes our go-to in all we say and do. I'd like to read this excerpt from my second book, The Trapdoor, and this excerpt is entitled Pride. My special needs son lives in his very own house on Altura Street. For you non-Spanish speakers, Altura refers to an elevated height. His dwelling and his caregiving were prayed over long before he ever set foot inside. A true testimony to God's Jeremiah 29:11 plan for his life. I love to tell the story about how we found this house, closed on it, and moved Max into it within a miraculous 10-day period. It truly is one of the most amazing God stories of my life, and I feel a tremendous amount of joy whenever I'm privileged to tell it. I wish I could also tell you that giving God the glory is my natural storytelling default, but the truth is that pride, like the naughty teeth of a mischievous puppy, sometimes get a foothold in my life. Pride can eradicate the edification that belongs to God. Does this embarrassing default to edifying self ever happen to you? I imagine it does. Recently, I reached out to one of Max's caregivers. I'd not seen her in a while and thought it might be nice to take her and my son to lunch on her next shift. She had shared some of her personal struggles early in the year and asked me to pray for her. As I was driving over for the lunch date, I was in self-congratulatory mode patting myself on the back, puffed up about what a noble deed I was undertaking. When I arrived, she was in glorious spirits and authentic gratitude mode. Her life was going well. She was giving God the glory. Then she asked how I was doing. In my desire to camp out in that same authenticity, I shared honestly about my struggles as the mom of an adult special needs child whose behavior can be as volatile and frightening as a hurricane map in Indian summer. Without missing a beat, She began to remind me, in Bible verse after Bible verse, about God's provision for Max in the world, in my life, and in the life to come, in uplifting and powerful ways. There were tears of sadness and eventually joy from both of us. But we enjoyed a nice lunch with Max, who was thankfully well-behaved that day. As I hugged her and got into my car and drove away, I realized the lunch was not at all the experience I was previously expecting. The supposedly needy caregiver turned out to be the one offering the wisdom, knowledge, and, well, the care I needed, so much for my pride-filled image as the rescuing crusader. The first human sin was committed out of prideful disobedience. Eve wanted knowledge of good and evil like God. Many, if not most, other sins also stem from pride, feeling superior to others, demanding superior treatment, validation or privileges, blaming others or refusing accountability, and living a self-focused life. We must maintain a humble posture of continually questioning our own motivations. Only then can we recalibrate our journey with small corrections instead of making continual U-turns. 
And the key to kingdom living is suppress prideful tendencies and cultivate a posture of authentic humility. And the doorpost is for the sin of their mouths, the words of their lips, let them be trapped in their pride. Psalm fifty nine twelve. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of His GPS for your SOS. Cindy also posts encouragement daily on Instagram. Her blogs can be found on her website, cindyyorks.com. Her entire Door Devotion trilogy is now available on Amazon.